0: Um, If you followed my story yesterday, I tried to be fair. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, did a breakfast this morning with a private equity group. Uh, I reached out to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign several times to get comment. Um, They got back, her press secretary got back to me saying, uh, can I get an extension? Because I gave him till five o'clock Eastern time. Uh, He said, can I have an extension? I say, well, I go live at five so I could give you till, you know, 530. Um, but I didn't hear back from them. So I didn't hear back from them before I did, uh, the segment on, uh, Tulsi's fundraiser, but Tulsi Gabbard, uh, I guess did a tweet, a series of tweets today. And, um, to be honest with you, uh, you know, there's some people that have YouTube channels that are kind of like, what's the word Tulsi bros. I happen to like Tulsi Gabbard a lot. Uh, I, I'm not going to rake her over the coals completely. But I'm also not going to like look the other way and treat her differently than I would any other politician. It's called not being a fanatic. It's called not being a sycophant. So I'll tell you, uh, remind you of the details. if you't if you don't know the story, uh, Tulsi did a fundraiser this morning. Uh, the fundraiser was with uh, Fa- Farvahar Partners. Fa- Farvahar Partners is a private equity group. Uh, It's not like literally on Wall Street, but Wall Street, when when you refer to Wall Street, it's not literally you have to be on the block Wall Street. It's private equity groups, it's hedge funds, it's those kinds of things. So Farbihar Partners is uh, run by that gentleman, Omid Malik, and he used to be a big uh, executive at Bank of America. So as I said yesterday, um, you know, listen, he's a former Bank of America executive, and this is... small boutique private equity firm, but they do business with hedge funds and other usual suspects of Wall Street. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a private equity group that hosted the breakfast. I reached out to Tulsi's campaign again to ask, did this private equity group give you a donation? Um, I also asked, uh, was was the people in attendance? Was there a minimum uh, donation level to be in attendance of this event, because a lot of fundraisers have a minimum uh, donation to attend. Uh, I asked, um, you know, what is this person, Omid Malik's and Farvahar Partners, what is their position? Uh, Are they for tighter Wall Street regulation? Are they for Medicare for All? Are they for uh, repealing, uh, excuse me, reinstating Glass-Steagall? I haven't heard back from them. So I've given them every opportunity. Uh, I'm being a journalist, so I've reached out, I've reached out, I've reached out. Uh, They did not get back to me. Um, I will read you Tulsi Gabbard's tweets on this. Um, She tweeted this morning, I'm happy to be in New York City holding three events this week, a meet-and-greet hosted by our campaign on Saturday at 11 a.m. at Project Farmhouse, a fundraiser at Dr. Raj Bayani's home, a well-known Brooklyn-based surgeon, and a breakfast conversation hosted by Omid Malik. Uh, as is clear from the invitation sent out, I do not accept dollars from PACs or lobbyists. Some in the media are apparently upset by the fact that there are business people in New York City who are against warmongers. So that's basically her statement. I don't really know why her campaign uh, didn't respond to me, but that's neither here or there. Um, I think that, to me, Tulsi Gabbard's response uh, to me, well, first, let me say what I think is the most problematic part of this. To me, I don't think the most problematic part uh, of this fundraiser she did is the person hosting the fundraiser. Um, again, Farvahar Partners, a former Bank of America executive. In theory, you could have somebody, his name's Omid, Omid Malik. I think he's Iranian. Um, as an Iranian, he's also Muslim. He might, as a Muslim, an Iranian be very attracted to her positions on stopping the endless war, ending the military-industrial complex, all that. I also know that at a previous conference, Omid interviewed her, and she it was public, and she said all the things that she said to you progressives said there. I think the problem is, number one, this was a private event. We don't know what was said. But more importantly, it's not really that To me, I don't know what this guy's position is. He might not be a raving progressive, but he might also think we need to curb the military industrial complex. To me, the problem is where this event was held. And again, if you are against this, or you think I'm being unfair, I think you're thinking more as a Tulsi Gabbard supporter, rather than thinking critically. Uh, You probably have a bias for Tulsi Gabbard, and that's why you think I'm being unfair. But I would honestly not be doing my job if I treated her with kid gloves, but attacked Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. I I, I remove the person and just folk. Uh, I have to be consistent. So if you look at the place she had this event, it's called the Core Club, the Core Club, and I know it because I live in New York City. "Quote: The fat cat hedge fund guys love this place," said Richard David Story, the editors of Departures the glossy travel magazine distributed to holders of American Express Platinum and Centurion cards. These guys take their heartbeats per minute as seriously as they take their investment portfolios. As putative fat cats, the club's members, of which there are now 1,500, are presumably undaunted by the club's $50,000 initiation fee and $15,000 annual fees. I'm sorry, again, I'm not here to attack Tulsi Gabbard, I'm not here, um, I'm not here to, it's one event, it's not, one event does not make a pattern, but the bottom line is, this is a place where rich financial plutocrats congregate in New York City. It just is, that's the facts. doesn't make Tulsi Gabbard a fraud, but her reform message, which I like her reform message, You know, if Bernie Sanders strolled in to to a a posh New York City private club with a $50,000 initiation fee, a $15,000 annual fee, where hedge funders go, where Wall Street bankers go, uh, everybody, all, every single one of you would be calling for the pitchforks. The bottom line is, you know, Tulsi Gabbard had an event this morning. It's not, it was not open to just anybody who wanted to go. This is a private club. You have to be a member, a paying member at $15,000 a year, at a $50,000 initiation fee. I emailed her her campaign saying, was this open to anyone who wanted to come? They didn't get back to me. So I think, you know, what can I tell you? I've reached out, I've asked, I've reached out four or five times on this same event. They're not giving me any answers. Usually when campaigns don't answer, it's because the answer isn't good. So bottom line, if she is... Having a private event where um, presumably if it's hosted by Farber Har Partners, they're going to give her a donation. Uh, presumably if it's hosted at a posh, posh New York City exclusive members only club at $50,000 in, uh, initiation fees and $15,000 a year, these aren't people with placards in the audience uh, saying Medicare for all saying, uh, let's reinstate Glass-Steagall, saying um, free public college, saying no war with Iran. I'm not saying there aren't any any wealthy people in existence that are anti-war. Sure, there are. I'm not saying there aren't any um, wealthy people in existence that believe in Medicare for all. And I'm not Castigating her as a fraud. I don't think she's a fraud. Her campaign's not responding to me, so my best guess is her campaign's struggling financially, which would make sense because the media has totally blacked out her campaign, and the only time they actually cover her is calling her an Assad apologist and a Putin puppet. So it's hard to keep going on a campaign if you're not if you don't have media coverage and you're not able to get your message out. So she met, she met the donor threshold of $75,000, but I could tell you from traveling in the field for reporting, $25,000, 50000 $75,000 doesn't last you so long when you're constantly traveling, hotels, uh, transportation, food, tech, tech equipment, you name it. So I think that the bottom line is, this is a private event. I don't know what was said. I'm not assuming that she changed her message, but I don't know what was said. Secondly, uh, I think it's a little, I- I'm not saying she's misleading, but I-, I think it's a little naive. And I said this when Better O'Rourke said it, so I'm going to say it when Tulsi Gabbard says it. Better O'Rourke isn't taking super PAC money or lobbyist money, but he's taking a whole lot of max donations from fat cat fossil fuel executives and fat cat Wall Street executives. So just not taking super PAC money and lobbyist money doesn't mean you're not taking big money from special interests. It's good that they're not taking PAC money and lobbyist money, but a lot of candidates are not taking PAC money and lobbyist money, but they're taking side doors by taking max donations from financial people, fossil fuel people, big pharma people, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that to be the case. I don't know that to be the case for this event. But what I do know, based on years of experience traveling in the field and having a little knowledge about wealthy people. This club is not a bunch of millionaires and billionaires that are like open to a progressive message. I could tell you that for sure. And if you think it is, you're naive and you're kind of being a t- Tulsi bro or gal and giving her the benefit of the doubt that you wouldn't give like a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris to Cory Booker. I think Uh, Who said that? Rob Tierney, sorry, but if you don't know what happened, then you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but that's not the standard, Rob. That's not the standard. It's not about knowing what happened or not happened. It's about the optics. It's about having the events in this club in the first place. So if we as progressives think Wall Street has destroyed not only our country, but the global economy. If we as progressives think Wall Street is basically behind the now going on 40-year theft, 40-year theft of the proletariat's income, that red line is all the concentration of wealth going up there, that blue line is everybody else going down since 1980. If we think that Wall Street basically has gotten away with murder, there's no bankers in jail from 2008, and there's a lot of banks still doing the same predatory lending. Go ask the people with student loan debt. They're, They're doing the same thing with student loans, now that they were doing with housing debt. I'm not saying, hey, never talk to a financial person. And all financial people are evil. My older brother works at a hedge fund. He's not evil. I disagree with him politically, but he's not like a cretin. So the problem is the optics. If you're running on a reform message and you go into basically a posh plutocrat club, it's not great optics. I'm sorry. It's not. And the bottom line is she's it's potentially she could clean up there and get a lot of max donations from a lot of hedge fund people, a lot of uh, day traders, a lot of Wall Street people. Now, then it gets down to the, well, do you close your eyes to that? Do you say, well, totally is different. At the end of the day, I think you're naive if you think uh, somebody is going to take max donations from Wall Streeters and then, oh, you know, if if elected, oh, yeah, that was just for the campaign. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bend for them. That's not how politics works. It's just not. And again, I can't close my eyes, count to 10, and treat Tulsi Gabbard differently than anyone else. I don't think Tulsi Gabbard is a fraud. I don't think there's any evidence. um, I don't think there's any evidence that, you know, she's selling out. But what I do know is if your message is reform, if you want to reinstate Glass-Steagall, if you want to, um, if you want to reinstate Glass-Steagall, if you want tighter regulation on Wall Street, if you want Medicare for all, if you want... um, to end endless military, as Mike Gravel says, it's the military industrial complex via Wall Street. Well, that that place that she had the event, that's a, a private club with a $50,000 initiation fee and a $15,000 yearly fee, the people in that audience aren't down with that. That's not speculation, that's fact. And you're naive if you think she just met the, the, the sole crowd in America, the sole crowd of rich people in America that are like, yeah, let's have universal health care. Yeah, let's end these wars that make us so much money. Yeah, let's create Medicare for all so we don't have pharmaceutical. Come on, wake up. So again, uh, this is not me condemning Tulsi Gabbard. It's not me saying she's terrible. But at the end of the day, folks, I don't care if it's Tulsi Gabbard or Ronald McDonald. If they go do a private, not available to the media, not available to the open public You have to be a private member of this club uh, to attend. And presumably you're probably going to get some max donations from a lot of, from some financial people. You know, I got to be consistent. That's a little suspect. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, say it ain't so Joe. And I got to, I got to, I got to do the graphic. I'm probably going to be doing this every day for months. That's the slow-moving train wreck that is Joe Biden uh, about to crash into a re-election of Donald Trump if the neoliberal corporate Democratic Party gets their way. Joe Biden is the conductor of this slow-moving train wreck. Thank you, Colin Tooley, for that fantastic graphic. So what's really unbelievable You know, although Mitt Romney has been, like, rehabilitated uh, since 2012 into like, oh, the the common sense Republican. He's a vulture plutocrat. But remember, like, when we were all like, oh, my God, Mitt Romney. Where do I get my Mitt Romney flip-flops? Joe Biden. The story was out two days ago in The New York Times or three days ago that Joe Biden was for the Hyde Amendment, which uh, bans federal funding for abortions. Bernie Sanders has been against it since it was initiated. So Joe Biden is against the Hyde Amendment three days ago. It also came out, Joe Biden had this doozy in the 1970s saying, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. I don't really, you know, for people that want to say, well, this was the seventies. If someone said something ever, I don't care if it's 40 or 50 years ago, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. The person thought that at one point. So why should we think that they are someone that's going to be consistent on women and female reproductive rights? Why should we think this is the guy we want as president to appoint Supreme Court justice? You think that his deal breaker for Supreme Court justices are going to be is going to be keeping Roe versus Wade? with statements like that or with three days ago saying I'm for the Hyde Amendment, which bans federal funding for abortion. But suddenly, 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 uh, Joe Biden now, I think it came out yesterday or today, Joe Biden's against the Hyde Amendment. He's had an epiphany, an epiphany. So let's take a look. And uh, I've been struggling with the problems that, Hyde now presents. If I believe healthcare is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. Kate Bettingfield is deputy campaign manager and communications director for the Biden campaign, and and we certainly appreciate you coming in to talk to us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So 24 hours ago, Biden was on the record; he was still supporting the Hyde Amendment. Walk us through the anatomy of this decision change. It is it is this is a big change of heart. Well, look, this is not a decision about politics for him. It's a decision about health care. You know, you heard him say last night that. Uh, Roe is under unprecedented assault in this country. We see Republican led state legislatures, by the way, following the lead when of President. Did this but become wait, wait, a, when, Okay, but when did this become an issue about health care for him and not an issue about religion or morality. It is it is an issue about health care access, and you heard him say that last night, We that Roe is under unprecedented assault. You have Republican-led state legislatures at, you know, following Donald Trump's lead, by the way, who said that on the campaign trail that women who had abortions should be punished. Basically, it's no different than Hillary Clinton's spokespeople that would go on TV in 2016 and twist themselves and twist themselves into human pretzels to try and give fake, hollow answers for why she's changing her position. And honestly, like, uh, Jen, I-, I wanna be careful here because I'm not a woman, but like, I don't understand, like, as a woman, how you're going on national t- television and defending this man. I don't get that. I really don't. So, what's behind this epiphany? What's a, what's behind this epiphany for uh, say it ain't so, Joe? Did somebody did somebody jump on you know the train over the last five days and say, Joe, Joe, you know get out of your conductor seat? We gotta we got uh, we gotta talk about this Hyde Amendment thing. Well, apparently that was the case, and it was not only his campaign, but a celebrity, a celebrity. That convinced him to change his position. This is from The Atlantic. This was a tense two days in Biden's DC headquarters. The candidate was caught off guard after an NBC news story published Wednesday morning attempted to nail down where he stood on the on abortion policy, specifically Hyde. Simone Sanders, one of Biden's senior advisors, former Bernie Sanders press secretary, by the way, confronted him, she confirmed to me Thursday night, telling Biden that he was missing, how his position disproportionately affected poor women and women of color without easy access to abortion. Alyssa Milano, the actor who's become a major online presence on issues of women's rights, as well as a friend of the Biden team, spoke by phone Wednesday with Biden's campaign manager, Greg Schultz, telling him that the candidate needed to change. More calls came in, more tough conversations. Oh my God. Oh my God. By the way, uh, I actually, I can't really say anything that bad about Melissa Milano because she has tweeted, not retweeted, but tweeted out, tweeted out our Flint story. She has spoken out about Flint, which is still very much a water crisis. Uh, If you you want after this live stream, go check it out. I was on Redacted tonight. Uh, Lee Camp, I think, was off this week, so somebody else was filling in for him. I was on Redacted tonight. Uh, We talked about the latest news in Flint. The former governor, Rick Snyder, has had his phone seized, his iPad seized, and his computer hard drive seized. So big news in the Flint water crisis. Um, Go check that out. And thank you to uh, Redacted Tonight for having me on. So I like Alyssa Milano because she shared our stuff. But can you imagine if it came out in the media that Susan Sarandon called Bernie Sanders campaign manager and was like, Bernie, you need to change on the Hyde Amendment. Oh my God, the media would be crucifying Bernie Sanders. Crucifying Bernie Sanders. Oh, you're taking your P's and Q's from a Hollywood liberal? So the fact that it takes a celebrity, Alyssa Milano, who by the way, although I like Alyssa Milano for sharing our Flint stuff and being a champion for Flint, you're wrong to support Joe Biden. If you were a champion of women, I don't know how you could support somebody who once said this, that I don't think a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. That's inconsistent if you are a champion of women, but I digress. So then it takes Simone Sanders, his uh, advisor, who's an African-American woman, to go explain to Joe Biden that being the Hyde Amendment is very important because it's not that the government is taking a position on whether abortion is moral or not, but it's a health care issue because a lot of poor black women and white women, but poor women, people of color cannot afford abortion. Some of them go kind of do back alley kind of dangerous procedures because they can't afford it. So it's not just... It's not a religious issue. It's a a health issue. The fact that it takes a black woman high up in your campaign to explain the birds and the bees to Joe Biden kind of shows you this man has a race problem. And I think he's a racist, and I'm just going to say it. Might not get me access to his campaign rallies, but, you know, if... If you draft the crime bill and you're screaming out, you're screaming out, I don't want them near my mother. Well, you're talking about black people without saying black people. And if you're somebody that doesn't understand that being for the Hyde Amendment means you're making it basically impossible for black women and poor white women to get abortions, then you're either a racist or you don't understand race in America, or maybe a mix of both. And yes, he also has a problem with invading people's personal space, which he just did. Jen did a video on it. I think, Jen, was that a week ago or a week, two weeks ago at a campaign event? Not like before he announced, but after, where he took a child, put his arms on the child's shoulder, then bent down near the child's hair, and also said some creepy things. So not only is he borrowing Mitt Romney's flip-flops, but he's a political weather vein, a political weather vein. I, got, I, I, I don't know what to say folks. The corporate media, the corporate media is not going to call out Joe Biden for be a flip, being a flip flopping fucker. They're just not. But I really hope I really hope that the media, the independent media. And I also hope that I don't want to be a man and like mansplain what women should do. But I really hope that enough women come out and women's groups comes out and be like, yeah, we can't have somebody as the Democratic nominee who who's kind of shifting and, you know, now just learning about the right positions to take on female reproductive health. No. No. I mean... Obviously he's a servant of wall street and fossil fuel companies and big pharma and Silicon Valley and real estate developers. And he, he was anti, he was um, anti-busing and problematic. He's got all, all sorts of problems, but I don't know, like, do women really want to cheer for someone that it needs to be explained to him the right position to take on abortion? And obviously He changed his position over the last 48 hours because of political pressure and probably pressure from his donors. And by the way, I mean, it's not really relevant to the 2020 campaign. But at what point do you have to start asking, did Barack Obama fully vet Joe Biden to be his vice president? What was going on there? Did did Barack Obama and his campaign not fully know all his previous positions? Just saying.